listening to White the Truck. Hey, dude, how was your Father's Day? Good seeing you. Ah, hold on a second. I had to pull the horn there for a second. Father's <laughs> Day was awesome, dude. How about yourself, man? It was good. It was it was a good time. Uh, you know, I mentioned how like obsessed the kids have been with Legos. By the way, we just went yeah. down on LinkedIn. Hopefully, we can get that back up. Not sure why. Maybe we didn't have video. I don't know. It, it's so weird, man. LinkedIn Live was going so well, but maybe it was just a gift for us for Father's Day, and now it's uh, it's acting up again. But uh, we've been into the Legos, and my wife got me this uh, Stranger Things Lego uh, Lego set with like over two thousand pieces. It was just, okay. like a long time to build, man. Next thing I knew, it was like seven o'clock at night. Yeah, it eats up a lot of your time, right? I used to build those uh, Harry Potter ones. I did the the Hogwarts train and all that other kind of stuff. The castle, they they man, you get into it and you're you're consumed for quite a while. You can get sucked into that stuff. So, did you and your kids binge watch uh, Stranger Things while building this, or what? They're a little young for that, so they got to stick with sort of the the G rated version that we have going on. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's good, good, good to hear, man. Good to hear. We hit the pool in between raindrops, so it was a good, it was a great Father's Day, man. Good presents, hanging out with the family, little pool. Got rain on my lawn, which every dad loves. So yeah, it was good. They opened the pool good, at my, man. they opened the pool at my building, and I don't think most people are aware of it yet. And I, I don't want to advertise it, but it, it's opened back up. So my wife and the kids, they've been able to spend a lot of time down there. So it, it's been helpful. It's been helpful for me too. They're going a little crazy in this place. Yeah, absolutely. Give him some uh, run off some of that energy. So when dad's done with work, you don't have to run it off for him. No, no. I, yeah, well, they always want to <laughs> wrestle after work, you know, and then my wife is like, don't, you know, don't give him a, the tombstone or, you know, a power bomb or whatnot. But someone's got to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've, got a lot, we've, we've got a lot to talk. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, with bank deposits going up by two trillion dollars. The curious case of the containerized cocaine insurance and cargo theft. We'll talk about uh, reefer with a play at Ford guest who's going to give us some live music. But speaking of that, first, we got to tip the band. This episode is brought to you by Pilot Flying J Axle Fuel Card, which provides the credit you need with fast approvals and money back. There are no transaction fees and no monthly fees. So sign up for yours today at AxleFuelCard.com. Axle Fuel Card keeps fleets on a roll. Subject to credit approval, terms and conditions may apply. That's right. Read those terms and conditions. Fine print. Let's go. What's our first story? Oh, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the market. Cast truckload line haul index implies 2020 may get tougher for carriers. Not the news everybody wanted to hear. Cast truckload line haul index is showing a massive drop off in truckload prices this year, which may be more indicative of a deterioration of contracted pricing than the much more transparent spot market. A strong connection exists between the CAS Index and the Truckload Carriers Association revenue per driver per week for its dry van members. Both values peaked in October of 2018 and have since fallen back to 2017 levels, with most of the dry van market considered to be contracted freight. 2020 could get even uglier for many carriers if spot, spot rates do not pick up quickly. It's a very true statement. The CAS truckload index is a measure of pure truckload cost and does not include accessorial charges like detention and fuel. So the index is based on on, on freight invoices, which include a large concentration of contracted uh, freight bills. So there's a large concentration in there. And unlike the spot market, the contracted freight market is much more stable. It's, it's more on a 12-month cyclical type of thing uh, and dependent on an, uh, annual cycles uh, for timing adjustments, obviously. So most dry van uh, 
uh, moves under contracted agreement in which a shipper and carrier agree to long-term pricing in certain lanes. Uh, if the carrier's capacity contracted freight rates drive most of the revenue, contracted freight waves drive most of the revenue for the dry van carriers in the United States. Yeah, the falling cash index, which declined over 6% for the first three months of 2016, is an indication that carriers pulled back on some of their rates this year on their contract accounts, right? This means that there will be make they will be making less revenue for hauling the same amount of freight. 20, 2019 was a year of oversupply with a muted spot market, but carriers had the benefit of negotiating contracts on 2018 conditions. This gave them more revenue to help pad the income statement. With contract rates falling, costs such as insurance remain elevated. Carriers will be in a tighter position than uh, they had last year. Uh, is very true. And the good news is, though, that uh, for the time being, truckload volumes uh, have recovered much faster than, than many people anticipated. Um, the National Outbound Tender Volume Index indicates volumes are approximately 5 to 8% uh, higher this year versus uh, last uh, through the uh, first few weeks of June. However, you know, high volumes have not translated into higher rates as of yet as the tender rejections or the capacity has been has been fairly loose. But that, that has been uh, been tightening a little bit, and uh, you know that if those show up, then spot rates will inevitably follow and give carriers a little bit healthier mix of better paying options. Hey, and, and uh, good news: LinkedIn's back up. So Chris Jolly says, "Let's go! Happy Sweet. Monday to everybody." KC three, he was on radio over the weekend. He says, "Own the day." And uh, Trevor Invov says, "Supply and demand." Yeah, that's the thing. So this is kind of interesting, though. And a lot of this is from the chart of the week Zach Strickland puts up on freight. Freightwaves.com, go check it out. But the question still remains about the sustainability of a quick recovery as unemployments remain at historic highs and the industrial economy continues to sputter. But stay tuned for Big Deal, Little Deal, Duke, because we're going to have some very interesting information we have on bank deposits, on, on personal income, and on industrial space as well, both of which could help fuel the recovery. Yeah, absolutely a, could. At least help us, help us sustain some things. Absolutely. What is Sonar saying in all of this? So, you know, you're looking at Sonar, and Sonar is, is absolutely showing that volumes, at least for right now, are, are really following seasonal trends through really from just before uh, Memorial Day and through into this July, uh, where we generally see this a kind of a softening, but then a peak right before the July 4th season uh, or holiday. And tightening of capacity. So both are on the uptick and following very seasonal type of, of patterns right now. Uh, we'll see what happens after that. So you're seeing rejections up around eight, just over 8%, which is getting into that territory where there should be upward pressure. And we're seeing some upward pressure on specific lanes, et cetera, on, on spot rates. So that's good news uh, for carriers. You've also seen... Um, you know, the volume's increasing, but also a change in where those markets are in the lengths of haul, which is changing a little bit of what we're seeing from long haul. Now it's really being carried by those mid-haul and short hauls, which would indicate there's a lot of volume being moved or warehouse repositioning. So there's this kind of suck forward. There was this pull forward from the ports, et cetera, into other warehouses and DC-centric areas. And now we're seeing movement. So when you see a spike in volumes from L.A. to Stockton, that's not really consumer driven. That's warehouse movement. That's from one warehouse to another, repositioning of goods in anticipation. So uh, we'll dig into this in freight forecasting later this week, Thursday at 4 p.m. on Freightways TV to, to kind of look at these things and the economic numbers and some other ancillary data that you got to be, data points, I should say, that you got to be looking at to see really what's going to occur throughout the rest of the summer, get a good educated feeling of what's going to happen. So just in, in short summation here, should people be too concerned about what the cast says or you think that there's promise moving forward? 
Uh, there's promise moving forward. You got to remember the cast is off of invoices and it's a week to couple weeks behind. Right. And so when you're looking at those numbers, you're seeing those numbers of invoices coming in from a, a month that was, you know, the latter half of a month that was a complete dumpster fire. So it's really not that shocking to see what happened. It, it, it is a good indicator, but like a lot of economic indicators that are kind of lagging or whatever, it kind of proves out what we actually saw. So I, I would suspect that you'll see cast recover a little bit this month. Uh, when when the next numbers come out, yeah, that, I mean, I, I know all too well. Whenever I get into uh, Flame Wars online and I talk about current sonar data and people bring up the cast, it's like, well, you're talking from the past here, man. Uh, let's get to some good news, right? So here's some good Monday news: a trucker pulls a stuck motorist out of a ditch. On June 3rd, Facebook user Samantha Boomer, she had a faithful encounter with truck driver Joel Lewis. She posted the following on Facebook. I took a wrong turn coming out of the Ocala National Forest. As I turned around, I ended up in a ditch. Phone reception wasn't great and rain clouds were rolling in. During the span of the 15, 20 minutes, cars at 15, 20 cars had passed on a single lane highway. After a while of trying to drive the car out of the ditch, a giant truck pulls up. A guy comes out with a big smile. He grabs a strap and gets underneath her car, proceeds to pull her car out of the ditch. She says, Joel, thank you for stopping and being my angel today. My heart is so full of gratitude. With all the tension in the world right now, I got back in my car and burst into tears. Love wins. Pay it forward. Awesome, awesome, awesome story. And since then, the story has been shared over 12,000 times last week. Uh, and last week, Nick Austin reported on uh, the Truckload Carriers Association was naming another trucker, Harvell Keith Martin from Telepusa, Georgia, a highway angel for rushing to save a woman trapped in her burning car. So there was on a cold, rainy day, Dooner, December 2019, Martin was driving his truck on Interstate 40 near Hickory, North Carolina. His 18-year-old son, John, was alongside with the ride, which he often does. As they pulled out of a rest area, they waited for a car to pass, and a short while later, they saw it slide off into the road, into the ditch on a slick road, and it, 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 it burst into flames. Martin got in there and cut her loose from her uh, from her safety belt and, and pulled her to safety. So another really great story. Yeah, the driver's side of the car was slammed into a tree. This woman, she was a pregnant woman, right? She would not have gotten out of this car. He pulled her out. He ended up getting flames all over himself. He was there with his son. So he can't even drive at the moment. He's been recognized as a highway hero. So congratulations to both these drivers. And uh, anytime there's a great story like that, send it our way. We're more than happy to to highlight it, right? I love seeing behavior like that go viral. We have a couple of people who joined the comments. It's Taylor Baker. He says, hello, gents. What's up, Taylor? By the way, speaking of play it forward, I think Taylor himself is, uh, is, a, bit of a, is a bit of a musician. I believe I saw him at Gats last year. Uh, Adam Robbins says, ha- says, happy Monday, all Brandon Zonson says, well done. Trucker Joel and Emily Zink says she loves it. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. How can't you? Yeah, exactly. And and as we always say, Dooner, you, you, we don't need a crisis to be good to each other. Just look for it. Open your eyes. It's around there. The ease of blessing people. It's all around you every day. Do like, it. Like Mr. Rogers says, look for the helpers. There you go. All right. We're going to dial up Scott Cornell right now. He is a crime and transportation business lead uh, at Travelers Insurance. Crime and transportation theft leave. Is this uh, Scott? This is Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having us. Oh, yeah. Thanks for joining us on the air. I, I love your title there. Crime and transportation, businessly crime and theft specialist. Uh, how much crime and theft is there in the supply chain in the unit that you oversee? Well, uh, across the supply chain, there's a decent amount of cargo theft. And uh, right now, as an example, cargo theft is is up pretty well. So, um, you know, different times of the year are busier for cargo theft than others, but it's 
it's something that a lot of people don't think about, but it's definitely there. Yeah. Hey, Scott, Mike Vincent here. Thanks for joining us today. An interesting subject, you know, being in the business for 33 years on the actual side of moving freight and not here at, at Freightways. But, you know, we always said, uh, if you don't think you got a theft problem, then you've got a major theft problem. If you think you've got a theft problem, then you've got a theft problem. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. It just keeps going. I think that's a, that's so, a good way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. So, um, so what are some of the things? So, so give us a little background of what you do there, and what are some of the things when people should be selecting their cargo insurance carrier? Exactly what what are you doing there? Kind of a background. Yeah, so I lead transportation uh, for travelers in the Marine. Uh, I've been with travelers for just just under twenty years, and prior to taking over to lead transportation, I led the cargo theft investigation group that we'll talk a little bit about today. Um, so I think, you know, when you're selecting your cargo insurance carrier, there's a few basic questions you should ask yourself. Um, how long have they been doing this? And are they really a cargo insurance carrier? Meaning, is this really what they do? Um, if they're new to the market, they may not have the expertise or the ability that really supports you in the way an experienced carrier can. They may not have all the resources that you need. Um, do they offer specialization in this space? I think specialization is important. I think it's tremendously valuable. Uh, especially when something goes wrong and even before. So, because it means that they tend to understand the differing needs and the requirements uh, that your organization has based specifically on what you do. Uh, a good example of that would be a reefer hauler or someone shipping food is really going to care about potential contamination issues. So things like temperature controls and seal integrity are going to be critical. Yes. Um, oh, next, Steve Ferreira, just real quick in the comments, he was just kind of building upon an earlier point. He said, Ocean freight cargo theft is the easiest to pull off. With advanced public data, any sophisticated theft rig, theft ring can rig the system. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple different types of cargo theft. Uh, one is called strategic theft. One is called straight theft. The strategic theft is when they really manipulate the information. They, they, they pretend to be somebody that they're not. They in, insert themselves into the arrangement of the, of the deal. And they, they trick people into giving them the cargo. So, yeah, that can be pretty tricky. Is there, um, yeah. Is there something that's commonly overlooked or not thought about when when shopping for coverage? I, I, sometimes people tend to block out. I mean, insurance. My dad, he, my dad was a ins- lifelong insurance guy. He worked for uh, he, he worked for he did marine cargo insurance back in the day. And um, he said one of the things about selling insurance, getting people to use insurance is that people don't like to focus on what can happen to shipments or the negativity that can happen. But it's not really uh, sure. uh, something you want to gamble with, is it? It's not. I think it's important. You know, I think, you know, claims is where the rubber meets the road, right? A lot of people say that. So uh, is, you know, do they have a dedicated claim team? Uh, is, there, is their claim team dedicated to transportation? Here at Travelers, our claim team is fully dedicated to cargo. They do that, you know, full time every day. Um, you know, what type of coverage are you being offered? Is it, you know, it's a, it's, to me, it's essential. They have a simple, easy to read form, right? So you can understand when you're covered and when you're not. Uh, you know, a legal liability form, as an example, tends to be a little easier to understand and really should offer protection, for instances, where you assume a contractual risk, whereas a named peril form uh, really must include specific perils that you're likely to encounter in order for there to be coverage. So when you're looking for a carrier, you want them to understand the specific roles that you play or that your business plays in the supply chain. So are you a carrier, a broker, a freight forwarder, or another part of the supply chain? Uh, you know, brokers, for example, might not think to ask, 
is their contingent coverage available beyond their primary coverage? This type of coverage can be very important, and not only at the time of the loss, but to help preserve relationships with shippers. And then we touched earlier on a reefer hauler, as an example. You may not think to ask, is there coverage for mechanical breakdowns or driver error in temperature control settings? And sometimes these can be commonly excluded perils. So you have to think about, you know, to your, to your comment, whether or not those things are going to be there for you, you're going to have those coverages and those resources when bad things happen. Hey, Steve Ferreira in our comments, he has a question for you. He says, are marine cargo ins- is marine cargo insurance less expensive when a client can prove to travelers or similar that they, the BCO, has opted out from the public manifest reporting system? Uh, I think, you know, something like that's not really going to come directly into play. I think you're, you're going to, you know, if you're, if you're doing, as an insurance carrier, if you're doing your homework, you're going to look at each account as a totality. You're going to look at it on its own merits and you're going to decide based on what they do every day in totality, you know, the proper pricing and the proper considerations. Interesting. And, and, you know, going through the, the different coverage and the, uh, you know, the riders and that type of stuff and the special considerations, are, are there, is there additional considerations beyond, beyond what you spoke about that uh, people need to be talking about with their, or looking into in their coverages? Uh, definitely. I think, you know, we need to look beyond just the coverage form, right? So I always say, look for a partner that's going to help you before you have a loss. Most people, when they think of insurance, they think about the loss or the day they have a loss. You know, do they have services that are going to help you identify or anticipate risk or prevent losses? Uh, as an example, travelers, we have on-site and virtual risk control consultations to our risk control team. We have a mobile app uh, called Risk Toolworks for customers, and it contains tools, guides, resources. We have a customer portal uh, that offers training tools and learning site with a, over a thousand risk management resources. Um, is the claim team going to be, be available when you need them? 24-7, 365. Our, our claim team here at Travelers is available 24-7, 365. We also offer, which you touched on right at the beginning, uh, we have a special investigations group that's dedicated to cargo theft recovery for our clients. So we have 10 investigators across the country that respond to cargo theft 24-7, 365 for our clients. And just since 2011, they've recovered more than $65 million in stolen goods for our clients. Now, yeah, that's an exciting number to talk about, and it's it's a great job that they do. But they work with our clients before those losses happen and try and teach them about cargo theft and how to prevent themselves from becoming a victim of cargo theft. So what is a partner doing for you before you have the loss? What's going to tell? Because exclusions are, you know, your coverage is a great thing, but another big aspect of that is your exclusions as well. So what's going to tell someone that they made the right choice, they have the right coverage, you know, they're, they're filling all the gaps? Yeah, I think, you know, we touched a little bit on that. Uh, I think you, you want to make sure you partner with somebody who's trying to help you prevent losses in the first place. Are they really working with you so that you don't have that bad day? You know, eventually you're probably going to have a bad day. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, you, you know, you kind of touched on that in the beginning. But when you do have that bad day, how was your experience at, at that time? You know, did they make it easier for you? Did your insurance company make it easier for you? Or did they make it more complicated? Uh, think of insurance as an investment, not necessarily as an expense. You know, it's easy to think about just the coverage form, uh, but think about what are you getting beyond that coverage form? And it's not, it shouldn't be just all about price. Uh, do a lot of research, do a lot of due diligence, you know, research whether or not that coverage form is going to respond to the contractual obligations that you're making. You know, 
we always tell carriers you should have a process in place to really review the contracts you're committing to and your coverage form and how are the two going to mix, right? Yeah. No, I mean, insurance is it's very resource heavy. Uh, pe- people need to, to learn and get educated on this thing. Where would you send them after this? Where can they go on Travelers to learn more information? Travelers.com. Travelers.com. It's that easy. So super simple. That easy. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, oh, wait, before we before we let you go, Steve Ferreira, he's 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 the I don't know if you've ever met Steve Ferreira. He's uh, he's uh, he's an ocean consultant. And he this topic is fascinating. him. Mean, he's had about 12 questions, but one is about cargo blackmail. Are there are there situations where a theft ring offers to point you where the goods are similar to like ransomware? So but actually with like physical cargo. So we, we really haven't seen too much of that. And I'm not going to say it never happens. Um, there are some times where, you know, a bad actor will go AWOL with the cargo or will uh, try and do that. We haven't seen that so much in the last couple of years. I would say three, maybe four years ago, there was a, a spike in that type of thing where somebody would hold the cargo and they would, you know, basically say, hey, if you wire me this amount of money or things like that, we can you know tell you where the cargo is. That's kind of faded out. That specific method of cargo theft really comes and goes. It, it, it spikes up and then it disappears. You don't hear about it for you know a year or two, and then it comes back and, and it's around for a short period of time. Wow. Well, hey, Scott, thank you for your time today. Thank you for answering all our questions, including those from the comments. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. We appreciate the time. No, good stuff. Uh, Steve also has one thing to say here also. He says... Uh, He's talking about companies that are at risk. He says Apple, Dell, Nintendo are all at risk due to the high value of the cargo and the fact that their public manifests scream out, here's that cargo serial number, here's the port, here's the warehouse. So, yeah, do, do what you can. If you go on like a site like Pangeva and stuff, like I used to use this as sales to get to look for leads and stuff, Michael Vincent. Uh, some shippers kind of overshare, or, you know, or some or some brokers overshare. You can you can hide that stuff. You can hide that stuff. The transparency sometimes does cause that, right? <laughs> this is a very interesting thing, and I'd love to talk to Steve about it. I'm sure we could sell, tell some different stories or share some stories. I've had some very bizarre theft issues uh, that have occurred uh, over my career in LTL truckload and Ocean is some of the craziest stuff that I've that I've absolute that I've seen. So we could talk about that for hours. It's it's unbelievable some of the schemes and the ways they get around this and and steal theft. Uh, of of cargo and complete tainer, containers. I had to just steal the entire container before. Let's call David Ashenbrand. He's going to play it forward for us. We got a clip from his band, The Ghost Rodents. David, thank you for joining Dune and the Dude on What the Truck today. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you for hey, taking. David. Thanks for taking the call to action. So, listeners out there, we put we put a, put a post up on social. We've uh, we've sort of had it started out with organic playing. We've had the cowbell here. A couple different guests came on, and they just surprised us with their own songs or their own playing. So we're like, you know what? We want to we want to make it part of the show. If you're in supply chain, you play music, you want to come on, you got something original, or you just want to play us a few licks. Reach out to myself at Timothy Dooner on Twitter or on LinkedIn, or reach out to Michael Vincent. Let us know. We'll talk to you about getting you on. David, you are one of those people who reached out to me. Tell us a little bit about the band and the song that we're about to play. You are also the Director of Business Development at Eastern U.S. Lineage Logistics. Yes, sir. That's me. Um, My band is the Ghost Rodents. We're local to northern New Jersey and New York City. Been together for, I don't know, a couple years now, about three, four years. Uh, Play with a couple of friends. And uh, this is an original tune that we wrote um, called One Last Time. And I think you've got queued up about uh, the last uh, 90 seconds or so of the, of the tune. 
Yeah, yeah. And where are we hearing you in this song? What instrument are you on? I, I am the dr- I am the drummer. All right, all right. Michael Vincent, are you ready? I'm, I'm. Yeah, I can't wait. All right. And before I hit play, just one more comment here. Chiller Baker says, uh, "Never thought of insurance as an investment. That makes perfect sense." In a loss. Yeah, and that's why we talk to a lot of these guests. They, 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 sometimes they say the right word that all of a sudden it triggers in your head. Oh, okay, that, that's, that's one tool in the tool bag, and that's the reason it works. But let's get to this song. Ghost rodents. Uh, what did you That's think? Awesome. What did you think, Michael Vincent? I loved it. I loved the build up. I loved it, and I was uh, waiting for uh, just a, a face melting solo to come out of that, and it go right back into that sack. So I got to check out the rest of that tune. Is there some uh, face melting uh, uh, little riffs that come <laughs> at the end of that thing? It seems like it starts there, building and building. There is. The song actually has a second half that uh, we do a complete breakdown on, and then uh, the lead singer and lead guitarist Michael Bowman. Um, melt your face for sure. Yep. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, it's awesome. Yep. It's, a, it's a bit like, uh, it, it was a bit like, uh, like a little audio slave going on there. A little like, uh, maybe yep. Kenny G was in like the same recording studio, decided to, <laughs> to just decided to smooth in there Kenny, with his, the, his the sex. cool brother, Dan, Dan. It wasn't Kenny G, it was Dan G. Right, right. His cool brother. Oh, his cool brother. <laughs> or you ever see the Lost Boys? Remember the guy on the beach with the saxophone? Like that Jack dude who's just playing everybody by the bonfire? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still believe yourself, that's the song he sings. Uh, I still believe. Uh, I remember that. <laughs> Taylor Baker says, by the way, Taylor Baker, he's a he's a he's a singing songwriting trucker. He says from one musician to another, crank it up. Hell yeah, man. And uh awesome. I, yeah, really appreciate you brought it. So you deal too. You know, you are you don't just play music, you also work in the supply chain. Like we said, you're the director of business development at Lineage yep. Logistics. You deal a lot yep. in what? Cold storage, uh temperature control? Yes, sir. Lineage Logistics is the world's largest um temperature controlled warehousing company. And, uh, I am the Eastern U uh, S director of business development with the transportation division. So obviously focused on anything trucking related into or out of the facilities. It's kind of my area of expertise to not only sell it, but onboard and maintain those customer relationships. Yeah. I was looking through the, looking through the web website, David, you guys offer, uh, just about everything that you can possibly imagine in, in warehousing from pick pack, yes, and labeling, stamping, doing all that kind of stuff. What, yep. what has, what, what has been, uh, what's going on in the world of temperature control throughout, let's, let's call it the last couple months here. And, and, and how, how's, what's the word on the street for the rest of the year for, from yeah. your uh, perspective? 
Great, great question. Yeah. And so certainly, um, not normal times, right. You know, um, with, with the, the COVID hitting, it, it really depends. It's a mixed bag, right? If you have a building that's focused heavily on, um, you know, retail, uh, vendors and things of that nature, the freight is flowing, you know, crazy. But the issue there is that because of how heavily embedded we are with the import export business, the overseas packers have had slowdowns in what they can produce and you can't keep the inventory in the building long enough to actually support the program. On the other hand, if you're heavily embed uh, with say, you know, us foods or Cisco or these, these food service providers, the inventory is choking you. So you've got, you've got a mixed bag of facilities that can't keep up uh, because the inventory just isn't there with the demand. And then others that are just choking on containers and inbound trucks and literally nowhere else to put it. We are seeing some relief. Orders are starting to flow back out now, a little bit normalizing. Restaurants are having trouble with their cash flow, right? Because they're kind of starting from scratch again. So it's slower than we had hoped. We do see some normalizing depending on the market. And, you know, the balance of the year, it's, it's a crapshoot, guys. It really depends on how the things, you know, how the states reopen and they start to open up a little bit more, the restaurants and, and, and you know, venues and things of that nature that are heavily um, fortified by deployment via food service providers. We're going to see how it goes. We hope that things will level out and we'll start to see some normalcy return. Oh, hey, Taylor Barker. Sorry, I'm from Boston. We have a tr- we have trouble with our R's. He said I call him Taylor Baker. Yeah, sorry, it's Taylor Barker. Or if uh, you you're from my hood, Taylor Baca. So David, that, that was awesome stuff. We'll probably definitely have you in the next round of the, the pay it forward that's going on. But in the meantime, how do people go check out the album and how do they learn more about you? Uh, we can be found online. We've got a website. Um, if you just do a Google search, you'll probably find us. We're on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're in the middle of putting together the album now, which obviously has stalled with everything that's going on. But there are some live performances out on our website. You can check us out. Obviously, we're not really gigging right now with everything that's going on, but um, definitely follow us. And we always post updates on when we have gigs. Will do. Thank, thank you. And we'll put a link to his band in the show notes, too, if you want to check them out after the show. More than happy to let you do it. Hey, David, thanks for putting yourself out there, man. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Sincerely appreciate it. I, I dug that Thanks, track, David. man. I, I dug the track that he had there. I dug the track, and I it, it was re- it was really good. And, I, and as you said, I agree with you. Audio, I heard Audio Slave all over that thing. It, it, I love that kind of build it up and then bring you right back down and just let it build and build and build. It's very cool. I thought is is you know talking about the interest the 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 differences in the exact same type of product, right? When he's talking about cold storage, you're talking about the food industry, et cetera. It depends on how it's packed, right? So same exact products, different type of packaging, different type of supply chain going into restaurants or going right into retail, both having struggles, both for two different reasons. Uh, I, I find that incredibly interesting. It's something that people don't think about when they go to the store and they say, how come they can't produce more of this? Well, the packers and so on just can't switch from commercial to retail type of packaging and processing of the food. Yeah, you're not going to buy like an industrial sized box of like frozen hamburgers or something. You're not a, you know, you're not no. McDonald's or whomever. And the same thing with toilet paper. They're built for completely different roles. But I heard that bullwhip effect is in full effect now. And now the grocery stores have a new problem, which is too much toilet paper and too much sanitizer. So we're going to see how that plays out. And we actually have a big deal, a little deal segment talking about industrial real estate. So we'll talk more on that there. But in the meantime, let's call up Greg Miller. He's a senior editor at Freight Waves. He posted an article last week on a story we covered on Freight Waves before about the MSC guy. one of the biggest drug, maybe the biggest drug bust, I think, ever. Uh, 
um, in terms of shipping. It was over a billion dollars. Let's dial him up. He had a great article on FreightWaves.com called Cracking the Case of the Containerized Cocaine. Let's hear all about it, man. Right. Also, my roommate at, uh, at Transparency 19. Which later oh. became a virtual event. Is there a connection to the story there? Uh, to, to, yeah, I woke him up with a uh, with a cowbell one day. Hey, Greg Miller, what's going on, man? I got you. Hey, how are you? How are you? Uh, we're, we're, we're excited to have you on the air, man. And uh, one of the reasons I did is I was reading your article over the weekend. I was like, man, okay, it's so cool to read what's going on with this. Well, I don't know, cool, but it was a great article. It, it gave a lot <laughs> of information to a story that we'd covered on What the Truck uh, about maybe, so when did this happen? July 2019? Exactly, exactly. Uh, but uh, give it, us the- it's just a, an audacious, incredible, audacious operation beyond anything that, uh, that you know we've had in shipping before. I mean, drugs have been smuggled in shipping for years and years. There's nothing new about that. <laughs> they used to be, you know put the drugs in the containers until 9/11, and then that was out. Uh, and then they switched to dry bulk ships. They would uh, have uh, teams of divers, and they would attach uh, the package uh, back by the rudder uh, under, under underneath right. the waterline. Uh, in South America, they put it in a place that was protected for the transatlantic voyage, and it would go to Italy and uh, or something. You know, and then when it was at anchorage off the bay there, uh, you know, they would have another Italian diver come down and get it. And the most famous case there was about 130 kilograms, uh, so that's about 290 pounds. That happened back in 2007 uh, with with the bulk ships. And this thing that just happened is is. It's just an entirely different category. I mean, we're talking 20 tons of cocaine. Uh, that's that's 40,000 pounds of cocaine. Wow. Uh, it's just an, <laughs> incredible. Uh, and they, they, what, what was fascinating about it, they, they actually used a, a, a very new, very large container ship. Um, this was built in 2018, uh, 11,600 TEU. I mean, this is a big, big ship, and it's a new ship, uh, you know, run by MSC, operated by MSC, uh, and and actually owned by J.P. Morgan, uh, or one of the funds from J.P. Morgan. And what they did is they had, uh, at least this is according to the court documents that were just filed, uh, they had four, uh, according to one of these crew members, four crew members from Montenegro that were uh, sort of brought into the conspiracy before they boarded the ship uh, in, in, uh, you know, in coordination with people in South America. And then they came on board the ship, uh, and then they, uh, you know, allegedly recruited uh, other uh, other crew members that were on board. I mean, there's about 20, 30 people on, on board any, any one of these ships. And then each one of these additional crew members was paid 50000 cash to help with the loading. Um, and this actually apparently happened for several voyages, but they would, they would be off the coast of South America, and they used a crane on the ship, which was, it wasn't a cargo crane. It was, I believe, it was probably a smaller crane for provisions. And then off the shore of South America, uh, the speedboats came, uh, six, or six to eight speedboats came in the middle of the night, and then they loaded loaded the cocaine from the ocean onto the ship, and then they put it into the containers, and then they resealed the containers with uh, special fake seals. And they did this going back and forth both ways, down down to Peru and, and coming back. So, I mean, when you think about it, uh, you know, there was allegedly at least eight people involved on the ship out of, what, 24, 25? So that's a third of the people on the ship. 
This has never been done yeah, before. You, incredible. You know, Greg, you, Greg, Greg, it's incredibly interesting and fascinating to me. I got two questions for you. Sure. One is, the, as you as you described it, the audacious nature of this would lead you to believe that it was more than just a couple trips because they started getting really comfortable with what they were doing. It's what it kind of sounds like, right? And wouldn't they have to have a lot more than like five or six or ten people on on just on the ship involved to be able to put these things into containers and take them out? They have to know where those containers are going, where they're going to be taken off, where they're going to be transloaded, that type of stuff, uh, in order to to pull this off, would they not? Yeah, well, it, it's it's well, there was obviously at least one boy from the initial uh, investigation of the people that came off uh, a year ago. That you know, one of the people did say that there was at least one prior voyage, and there had to be because the authorities met the ship in, in Philadelphia, so it obviously happened before. Uh, you know, and and. and, and you know, someone tipped them off at this time. Uh, you know, as far as how that works um, on the ship, it is hard for me to imagine. Uh, you know, if you have a ship going, you know, fourteen, fifteen knots in the middle of the night, how does how does how does that work? I mean, I you know, I, I've never worked on a container ship, but it's hard for me to imagine uh, a ship slowing down in the middle of the night and then using a crane, <laughs> to, you know, to, to bring uh, all this into cargo holds, and then it it, it seems hard to to see this working with, you know, eight people, but, but that's just pure speculation. Now, they but communicate, I mean, uh, they communicate with, in your story, it mentions uh, narco phones. I, I hadn't heard that term before. Is that just like a burner phone, like your traditional street drug dealer would use? I, you know, I took that from the, I took that from the DOJ. I, I assume that's a burner phone. It's yeah, not the new that, iPhone. It's I, not like the iPhone narco. That's a new narco model. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, the this is, the tip of the iceberg for what's about to happen, and we're going to see this develop over time, um, because you know part of part of what happened last year was that they actually almost seized or began proceedings to seize the entire ship. You know how you know if you have a drug bust and they take the drug dealer's yacht or they take his you know his Porsche or whatever, they actually began proceedings to, to take over an eighty-five million dollar ship. And I don't think they ever really wanted the ship. What they were doing was they were trying to get an agreement from MSC uh, to fully cooperate and provide uh, access to all their employees for interviews. So I think we'll see over time, you know, the extent that this is just, you know, four guys on a ship. Uh, it, 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 it is, you know, it raises a lot of questions. Like, how did these four guys get on the ship at the same time? I think yeah, one question that comes to my mind, Greg, was the name Kaiser Soze ever invoked during any of your investigation of this article? And how much do they pay these henchmen? Yeah, yeah. Greg, how much do they pay the henchmen, too? I mean, Kaiser, who's the leader? How much do these guys get paid? How does that work? Uh, it was 50000 in cash for the people that were recruited on board the vessel. Oh. Uh, I don't know how much the original four got or how they had the money there. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm just, I'm just uh, you know, dictating off of what I'm seeing in the Department of Justice filings. And most of the DOJ stuff is still sealed. Uh, I, I was only reporting upon you know, what has been unsealed uh, up to this point. Um, so there, you know, there's a lot of stuff on there that I can, you know, obviously I can't get access to. What's next for the case? But, What's the next step in it? Where do we go from here? Well, uh, you know, the DOJ, DOJ department sounds like it's committed to continuing. I, I'm sure that, you know, we have the first guilty plea uh, from, from one of the Montenegrins. And, um, you know, the expectation is that, you know, there will be more going on from here. So we'll just have to wait and see. Fascinating but, uh, stuff. Um, yeah, it really is. What do you, uh, Greg? Before we let you go, what are you working on next this week? What's going to be up on FreightWaves.com for you? 
Uh, well, I'm looking at the, uh, the container ship rates on the Trans-Pacific. I mean, uh, pretty interesting how high they are right now. Um, you know, we're supposed to be in the middle of a global pandemic, but uh, the rates are now higher now than they were during the, you know, the peak season a year ago. Yeah. So, what a weird... They, they, took, they, they took too many ships out, uh, is what happened. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, the carriers are in, in danger of actually having a profitable year this year. Yeah. Embarrassing. Well, hey, we don't want to. That is embarrassing. <laughs> oh man! Hey, Greg, we always appreciate your time. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show, and thanks for ten minutes of your time today. Anytime. Good talking to you. Thanks, Greg. Take it easy. Yeah. So that's a big deal, right? Biggest biggest bust ever at sea or at port over here with this MSC vessel. And and dude, you know what you got to be careful of in these things? You know, now MSC gets their name dragged through the mud, as does JP Morgan for owning the boat. So uh, a bigger call to this, like our guest earlier, is cargo and theft. People got to keep their eyes on this stuff. They they absolutely do, and they're incentivized to do that type of stuff. When I was in ocean shipping, you know, we had our own divers. We had to go under and check the hulls of the ship coming into the coming into the ports. It was part of the supercarrier initiative uh, to kind of curtail this type of stuff. And you know, stowaways, that's a responsibility of the container line that, or, or of the ship owner. Yeah, well, that would you're, make sense. you're responsible for that. There's not like a general I'm average sure. on stowaways, is there? Like. A what now? A general average. Like if there's damage to a ship, it's spread across all the intermediaries and parties. No, no, it's not. No, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Well, not the same thing. You can even get sued for wrongful death if uh, a stowaway is uh, passes away while on your ship. So which dude, is interesting. This happens in the air too. There was this story in uh, in the suburb of Boston a few years ago. They found this beat up uh, the body that seemed like it had been frozen on someone's lawn. Like someone just wakes up in the morning, his dead body on their lawn. They come in, they're like, "Where did this come from? It, did it fall this guy? It turns out it did. The kid was in the he got in the wheel well at Logan Airport. It took off, and then I guess or when it was landing, I guess he fell out of the uh, at the landing gear. Yeah, frozen. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's amazing. All right, is, uh, is yeah. Emily here? Time for a little big deal, little deal. Yeah, we've got Emily Sink here. What's up, Emily? Big deal. Little deal. Big deal. Little deal. What's up, Emily? Hey, Junior, how you doing today? What's up? <laughs> We're doing good. Good to see you. Okay, we got some really good ones today. We're going to start off with, according to the FDIC data, a record $2 trillion surge in cash has hit the deposit accounts of U.S. banks since the coronavirus first hit the U.S. back in January. Vincent, is this a big deal or a little deal? I think the potential fallout from it or what happens is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's unprecedented. So, I mean, it's big. It's $2 trillion. And it's not only just, you know, uh, major corporations, you know, drawing credit and and depositing the the money. It's what it is saying. It accounts with less than $5,000. Average uh, growth was 40%. So, um, big deal. Pressure, downward pressure on already uh, low interest rates. And does this help us with this money in the bank uh, sustain a recovery better? Um, does this indicate that uh, current generation is learning and going to be affected much like uh, my grandparents' generation was, uh, you know, affected by the by the uh, uh, Great Depression? You know, they wouldn't spend a dime to put a gun to their head. Yeah, it's a big deal. 
So Kevin Hill, by the way, no, this is a big deal. Kevin Hill just realized that we have that we televise these programs. He says it's so weird sitting in my apartment watching you two on TV. Uh, if you have never watched one of uh, Freightways episode, if you're listening, you're on the audio side, you're into the Freightcast. That's cool. But if you do want to watch them, you can download the Freightways TV app. You can catch us live at noon every single day, Monday through Friday, on Freightways LinkedIn channel or Freightways TV, all that kind of stuff. You can also watch these on demand, and we share them out on social. So yes, Kevin, we maybe he's just meaning it's like surreal just seeing us in particular kevin i mean (laughs) (laughs) kevin we're all living in 2020 and kevin's living in 2030 man he's so ahead of his time well here's some cool numbers though from this story the personal savings rate it hit a record 33 percent in april right uh uh, personal income actually climbed 10.5 percent attributed very much to the stimulus checks to the 600 unemployment one of the narratives we've been talking about in this recovery is what happens when you take that money away well at the moment it looks like a lot of people are already building a cushion for themselves putting all this money in banks this could I think it could drive down interest rates, right? If banks are able to hold on to this money, they could get even lower. Yep. This Agreed. Is, so I think, I think that it's, it's good news. In the, if, as long as people go back out and spend some of that money, it's good news. If they hoard it, it may not be such great news. But if they go out and spend it, that would be great. We should probably have Anthony Smith break this down on the midday market update tomorrow. Catch that at noon Eastern time. So big deal. Like unless, big deal unless Anthony yeah. Smith says otherwise. I like that idea. We'll see him tomorrow at noon. Well, this next story is upsetting. A 35-year trucking veteran said he's worried how he'll make ends meet since his workers' compensation claim was denied just a few days after he got out of the hospital after testing positive for the coronavirus and spending a week in intensive care. Dooner, is this a big deal or a little deal? It's it's a big deal. I mean, for one, that's it's you know we talked about insurance over and everything earlier, and everything about insurance is kind of. In the exclusions and to find out, you know, you are on that front line. We all saw the hashtag thank a tuck trucker making a big deal. But then these you go out there and this isn't just limited to truckers. This is going to happen to a lot of workers who are going back into workforce and they're going to find out that uh, that they got sick. Right. And their insurance may not cover this. They'll be they'll be out. I think that they said here this was a quote from that article. We paid our drivers 80 hours of personal time off if they contracted covid. But after that, it's all in the hands of the third party company they use. Uh, and they're denying the claims, not them. So it's out of their company's hands. And I think you're going to see a lot of companies relooking at their policies, especially as we move forward through this pandemic. But the unfortunate thing is the people that are caught on the front line now and get the disease and are, uh, are out in the cold. So big deal. Yeah, it's a big it's a big deal. It's a big deal uh, for those people like this gentleman who finds himself out in a cold, not getting paid. Can't his his claim is denied, and I think it's a big deal moving forward. What are the lawsuits going to look like? I, I mean, what is contact tracing going to be able to do for this type of situation where you can actually prove that you got it while you you were at work? Right? Does that make a difference? Or if they can't prove that you got it at work, you what, what is it your own negligence that you accidentally got this? This is a guy who spent a few days at home and the. Rest of the time he was working on the road nobody at home has it uh but he's got it so and he was denied yeah i think it's a big deal we sort out of this mess and it's definitely a big deal for the people who are affected and can't get any insurance benefits out of it well fedex has recently announced it will take a 370 million dollar hit that's primarily related to the 2004 acquisition of kinko's that is now known as fedex office vincent big deal or little deal 
I think in the grand scheme of things, it's it's uh, I'm leaning towards a little deal. It's a lot of money. It's more than I have in my bank account. A little bit more than I have in my bank account. Not much, but it is. So it, I, I call it a little deal. I mean, it, it most of that is like 348 million of that was uh, right down from uh, the Kinko's uh, office, and which business is down as well, and they consider that to keep going. Uh, but it's not going to kill FedEx, and it's really not a shocker to see a FedEx or other trucking company having a uh, difficult first quarter fiscal 2020. Yeah, I don't think it's surprising. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be like long on something like Kinko's. I, I I can't remember the last time I've been to a Kinko's or thought about going to a Kinko's to, to print anything. I, I don't really print much, and I'm sure that's true for a lot of people in business. Digital things are, are accepted now, so there's not really as much use unless you have bigger printing projects. But a lot of those, it's easy to do online. I can just go onto a website and upload my files and, and have them shipped to me in, in a day or two, right? So I, I don't know that, the, that you really need the brick-and-mortar location for the printing except for emergencies. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, I think it's a little deal just because it's a sign of the times, and it's sort of obvious that that would be happening to a business like that. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. The only time I ever go to a place like that is to laminate stuff. You really don't need it for anything else. And I'm probably the only person who laminates stuff because I just what have a laminating? obsession with it. Uh, so like documents, papers, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dog's bed. Her baseball document. trading cards. Yeah, She's my baseball them. trading cards. I got a really nice collection. Yeah, I mean, she is from, where are you from? Don't you guys love Ohio. baseball fans in that area, Arkansas baseball fans? I mean, uh, Omaha. Omaha, that's it. Yes, yep. yes, yes. The College World Series should be happening right now. Well, we're going to be covering this next one on FreightWaves.com, but the Small Business Association says they are set to release data on who got federal PPP loans. Dooner, mm-hmm. is this announcement a big deal or a little deal? I think I think it's a deal that people should have been aware aware of, and I think some companies were. When you heard all of that that bad press, if the wrong company took the wrong money at the wrong time, uh, there you know there was a lot of people who wanted to go out and cancel them. And it seems like you know, and if you gave it back, people got off your case. Same thing happened to Nikola. They took like four million, and people were like, wait a second, what do you need four million for? They gave it back when they when they went public. A lot of companies were either either gave it back or were forced to. But now we're going to find out all of the this is like when the list of names comes out from like a spa or something. We're going to find out who all the companies are who didn't give it back. But uh, I think one of the wrinkles in there is um, that if you took under one hundred fifty thousand, right, your name isn't on there. So if you took one of the smaller loans. No big deal. But big deal in the sense that I'm sure there's some companies that are that are going to get some heat for this. Yeah, I agree with you. Those are exactly my thoughts. It. it- they're doing the transparency thing. I think the big deal is the potential fallout that comes through through this. Both uh, po- politicians are going to have a heyday with who is this and who is in charge of the administration. Why do these people get it? And and yeah, the news is going to have a, a great time with this list once it comes out. I think that's the big deal. Junior, you teased to this next story or story earlier in the show. According to a Wall Street Journal logistics report by Jennifer Smith, industrial real estate activity jumped 43% from April to May, and that's following a steep decline that happened in the previous 30-day period. Vincent, big deal or little deal on this one? Uh, well, it's a big deal because, I mean, industrial real estate activity jumped 43% because it's 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 dirt cheap, right? I mean, uh, housing markets in certain certain areas are going crazy. People are parking money in 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 housing. Talking to some business associates in certain areas of the country where the the housing market is is just through the roof. Um, I think it's a I think it's a big deal. Uh, it, it's going to be cheap. Um, I think the bigger deal is does it does it does it skyrocket again? Don't know. 
couple people in the comments too. Mark Hurwitz, uh, he, he's just says, "Hey, welcome, gentlemen. Hey, hey to you. Thanks for tuning in, John Buglino. He is uh, he knows Taylor. He's got. I get there's a, there's a New Jersey presence going on in the comments section right now. Actually, I have cousins up in a the, the free the Jackson Freehold area, Vincent." Uh, is this a big deal? Uh, I think that we we talked about this, Vincent, before I got months on, yeah. ago on what the truck, and we're like, you know what? Maybe that's a good place to invest in because all of these these bull up effects, all of this sort of bringing products onshore, making sure you have stockpiles, you got to put it somewhere. And there's been a 65 percent growth in transactions for warehouses under 25,000 square feet in the 30 days ending May 14th from the previous 30 day period. We're also hearing about this bull up effect, so a lot of those big orders are finally showing up. But are the consumers? So yeah, you're gonna have to put all these goods. Somewhere, I don't know if it's a huge deal like some of the other things we've talked about, but um, so in that sense, I'll just say little deal. Sounds good, Diener. Well, I don't think we need a study to prove the truth behind this, but according to a new study, men who like cats are less <laughs> likely to get dates. Diener, big deal or little deal on this one? Uh, yeah, it's funny because so the scientists, right, they showed hundreds of women photos of two men. Both men were pictured with and without a furry companion. The responses showed that men's luck got noticeably worse when women saw the picture with the cat because... Get this, they thought that the man seemed more open, uh, less argumentative, more reliable, and more undateable. Wait a second. I thought those other qualities would make someone more dateable. Maybe not. I guess, I, I don't know. Emily, when you see a cat, does it, I, I'm married, so, but I've died dated when I have, having a cat. I never used, like, the cat as a lure on a dating profile, though. So maybe that has something to do with it, too. Like, just the perception of you holding a cat on a dating profile might show, might give the impression that you're a lot more into cats than you really are, as opposed to, like, maybe you just have a couple furry friends. So, I, I, little deal in the sense that I think that we could have gleaned this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> My first and initial reaction is, duh. Uh, it, 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 I think it's a big deal that 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 somebody was was actually spent money to to figure this out. <laughs> I think that's a big deal. Why somebody was actually actually spent money to investigate this to figure this out I, I, is is the big deal to me. The we rest need, of it's just kind of duh. We have to no throw kidding. this. We have to throw this one at Emily. Emily, is it a big deal or a little deal? And and what do you think about those qualities that for some reason makes men undateable? Those sound like good qualities to me. Well, it's a big deal because this study is perfectly true. Um, I just think it's really, I, I don't want to offend anyone out there, but uh -huh. I think it's really weird when men have just a cat. Maybe they have a cat and a dog. That's okay. But I'm deathly allergic to cats, so I would never oh. date anyone with a cat. Um, I think it's much more acceptable when guys have dogs and they're showing off dogs and their dating profiles. But there's just something about men and cats because you usually associate cats with women. Mm. So... I don't know. It's just it's a weird thing when guys have cats. That That's my opinion. OK, I hope I didn't hurt anyone's feelings out there because I know a lot of men <laughs> yeah. do have cats and to each his own. I'm just not a cat person, so I will not date a man with a cat. Well, according to a survey of sixty seven hundred Americans, broccoli is America's favorite vegetable. Vincent, big deal or a little deal that broccoli broccoli is everyone's favorite. I, I think it's a big deal. I've been shouting from the rooftops that broccoli is a superfood for years. You should eat your broccoli, especially to my my children, and they actually love it. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's a huge deal. It's got a lot of benefits. I think it's surprising that. I mean, I went through the list of states. How many were broccoli, broccoli? It's not like five of them picked broccoli and then everybody else picked one type of thing. But vast majority of states showed broccoli. What I think is even bigger deal is that uh, Iowa decided that it was corn, which shocked me. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I, would, I mean, who would have thought? <laughs> so is it a big deal or a little deal? I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a big deal because I love broccoli. I'm pro broccoli. Everybody eat your broccoli. Big deal. Taylor says, I've always had big dogs, but now I have two Shih Tzu dogs and a cat. Glad I'm happily married or I'd be screwed. Yeah, and I'm with him on that. Like, that's my logic behind um, sort of what I share online. I probably wouldn't talk as much about Legos if I if I was single. I probably wouldn't buy a Cybertruck uh, or those kind of things. But, um, you know, that you get a little bit more insulated when you're married and you get kids. You you know, you can, you can just have fun with it. You don't, you don't have to worry who's swiping left and who's swiping right on the Tinder based on what kind of pet you have. Uh, carrots, though, you can't sleep on carrots. Carrots are rising up the list. And I, I was surprised we didn't see more lettuce or Idaho didn't have potatoes, right? They weren't even rooting for the home team. I think Idaho was yeah. still <laughs> team broccoli. So what do you, what do you think? Please tell, I, me, please tell me Nebraska was corn, though. No, was it, it wasn't. I, Iowa was the only one me? that was corn. Iowa was the only corn state. Okay, that makes me There was a few cucumbers, a bunch of tomatoes, and the rest of them were uh, broccoli, I think. I don't think there was anything else really picked besides corn in Iowa. I mean, corn is heavily versatile. You can make like a cornmeal out of it, right? You can make tortillas. You can make wraps. You can make uh, you can make corn syrup. I, I mean, I know everyone's against corn syrup, but you can still make it with that. You can sweeten things up with broccoli. I don't know. You don't have as many choices. It's not it's not going to get you as far as corn will. <laughs> you can't power your cyber truck with it. That's for sure. I don't know. I, in Back to the Future, they, they do that. Back to remember, he throws the trash in the garbage in there. Yeah, Mr. Fusion, right? Wasn't it what the device was? Hey, Emily, you had an interesting story to share about uh, Covenant getting some national attention. What was that about? Yeah, if you guys happened to watch yesterday on CBS, they did a special for Unsung Heroes. And a couple, Mike and Kim Frazier, they are team drivers for Covenant. They were actually featured on that special as the truck driver portion of it. So that was really cool to see some local people. I know, um, I think Harry Connick Jr. actually made a visit to Covenant back on May 12th. So he was in the area. We had no idea. So I think that's a pretty big idea that a local trucking company is getting some love on CBS. Hey, Emily, congratulations. Uh, Brian Strait, he says he's received the results of the American Society of Business publication editors, ASB Awards of Excellence, and uh, we we received one, our team did, for the coverage of Celadon. So congratulations on on getting that award in. Did, you, did we attend the virtual ceremony? That just happened. So they were just announced right now, and there was a lot of journalists who also got silver and bronze medals I also want to recognize. But that Celadon coverage was just a team effort from all realms, not just our journalists online, FreightWaves.com, but also Dooner, you on the radio, and then from a TV perspective, too. So that was a really tough story to cover, but definitely one that took a group effort. So I'm very, very proud that we got some recognition for that. So that's yeah. exciting. A little, a little cowbell for you and the team. If you want to follow Emily Zink, that's Emily, S-Z-I-N-K on the Twitter. Look her up on LinkedIn. Michael Vincent, at Vincent the Dude on Twitter, at Timothy Dooner, D-O-O-N-E-R on the Twitter, or look me up on LinkedIn. We're all very, we're all happy to carry the conversation on with you. If you want to play it forward, you play an instrument, reach out to us. You're in supply chain. We'll bring you on the show. More than happy. Uh, Vincent and I think we love that segment. Eventually, we're going to build a song out of it. Um, you can listen to the song, subscribe to Freightcast, get every single Freightways podcast. And like I said, live shows new every single day tomorrow, midday market update. Anthony Smith will talk about that personal income a little bit more. Maybe, right? You'll force him to, right, Vincent? Absolutely, Will. I'll <laughs> strong arm him. He's a little guy. Man, and Taylor says that he drinks corn from a jar. I bet he does. You could probably make some good, you could probably make some, some good moonshine. <laughs> you ever make any yeah, corn alcohol? Not, I don't think it's technically corn anymore when he starts drinking it. No, no, you could you could kill the coronavirus with it after uh, by the time he's done with the corn. <laughs>
Well, that's it for today's What the Truck. Thank you, everyone. We'll be back on Friday at noon Eastern time and uh, all during the week. Regular shows to tune into. Like Kevin Hill, download that Freightways TV app and you'll finally be able to see us on TV. It's going to be good stuff. Emily Zink, thank you for coming on the show today and thank you to all of our guests. Bye. Peace and love. Peace and love, everybody. Okay, for everyone to tune into. Some great comments in the comment section. Eric Serta, he says he lamped... Oh, wait, I'm not going to say that. You can get a arrested for that, Eric. 